We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We see blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing with Kandelvi's book, session 17, uh, we are now doing chapter 4, Ijtihad. First, the definition of Ijtihad. <coughs> on the question of Ijtihad, Mufti Shafi, Mufti Shafi writes in Jawahir al-Fiqh, that the pious predecessors established a criterion for the mujtahid, for the mujtahid, who is to be followed. Shah Waliullah Dahlawi wrote in Iqd al-Jid that the most precise definition of ijtihad understood from the scholars is to work arduously to yield der- derivative knowledge from specific sources. These specific sources are... Uh, can you just finish that? Okay, Quran, Sunnah, scholarly consensus, and analogical deduction. And so we keep seeing that list of four, right? Uh, one thing that I always find fascinating is ijtihad is the intensive form, an intensive form of the word jihad. Mm-hmm. So jihad is to struggle, ijtihad is to struggle really hard. And so in our tradition, jihad is to fight. Ijtihad is to do scholarly work. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically saying, however difficult fighting is, ijtihad is much more difficult. Yeah. That I find very fascinating. Okay, conditions for being a mujtahid. <clears throat> One of the conditions for pra- when practicing ijtihad is that he should be well-versed in the, those areas of the Qur'an and Sunnah from which rulings are derived. He should also be well-versed in the areas of scholarly consensus. The conditions for the correct use of analogical deduction are broad and deep knowledge of Arabic linguistics and the abr- abrogated and abrogating ayahs. He should also be learned in the biographies of the narrators. Uh, in ijtihad, knowledge of the science of, the do- of Islamic doctrine and conventional fiqh is not necessary the conditions of ijtihad are covered in the books in the, uh, on the principles of Islamic jurisprudence. At this point, there is no harm in narrating the conditions uh, uh, Baghawi, Baghawi, Baghawi. Baghawi laid out for ijtihad. He said, A mujtahid is a scholar who is proficient in five fields of knowledge. Knowledge of the Quranic ayahs, knowledge of the ahadith of the Blessed Prophet wasallam, knowledge of the rulings of the pious predecessors, i.e. to know which rulings they disagreed upon and which, uh, they, uh, and which and upon which they were unanimous. So that's the fatawa of the sahaba, basically. Okay. Knowledge of Arabic linguistics and knowledge of analogical deduction, the knowledge by which one learns the method of deriving a ruling from the Qur'an and Sunnah. In that case, a, sco- a ruling should, be, should not be explicit in the Qur'an and Sunnah or scholarly consensus. If there is no derivation required due to the explicitness of the ruling in the Qur'an and Sunnah, then such a person who lays out an explicit ruling is not def- a definition of, mujt- of a mujtahid. Okay, so what are we saying here? The first four makes sense, right? Quran, Hadith, Sahaba Tabi'in, their Fatawas, and Arabic. And then, what are the methods that we've derived in our tradition to come up with answers? Mm-hmm. So, so, when we speak about the different schools of law, what are the Hanafi methods, what are Shafi, Malki, Hanbali methods? Mm-hmm. So then he says, a ruling should not be explicit in the Quran and Sunnah, or scholarly consensus. Meaning, if it's already explicit, okay, and someone is coming up with a different answer, then that person is doing something wrong. That's the, that's the straight point, right? Uh, continue. Uh, could you just give like an example of... Uh, I mean, think of anything. Like, so, so let's say you say, I mean, a real... Uh, um, it's, it's, it's absurd, but it would make the point. So let's say, without any foundation, I say that, um, yeah, you, should, you, you can eat pork. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everyone agrees you can't eat pork. Okay, that's illustrating. I don't know what I'm talking about. 
So it would be something more subtle, uh, uh, a version of that. Uh, let me think, because uh, usually these books have their own uh, examples. Let me think, and I'll come back to each other. I don't know if this is, like, yeah. exactly right, but would it, like, be in the case of, like... I remember, like, a while back when I was, like, doing a little bit of fiction and stuff like that, um, the teacher was talking about... He was talking about, like, uh, like, for Fajr and uh, Asr, you, like, if you're praying and then the time ends while you're praying, um, and you've finished your first rakat, then you can finish your prayer. However, mm -hmm. for the others, you can't. Mm -hmm. And the reason was because of, like... I think it was just because of the same idea. I don't know if this fits in. So there, there, the the hukam of the far that way is the hukam of the haram, mm -hmm. um, but here uh, is probably something a little bit different, okay, okay. right? I mean, the basic idea being that you're looking for answers where we don't already have answers. Uh -huh. That's the key point. Yeah. So if you're trying to provide answers where we already have answers, okay. then you're doing something wrong here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now it is an important. It is important for us to know how much of these. Yeah, no, no, no. So a lot of people talk about Islamic reform, mm -hmm. and they'll refer to ijtihad, and then the people who talk about changing salah, right, making it co-ed, uh, in terms of the rows mm -hmm. or having a, a woman lead. Okay, uh, you know it's agreed upon uh, historically that okay when you pray pray separately, mm -hmm. right? There may be difference of opinion, minority opinions that instead of men in front, women in back. Uh, men in separate places, like you know, when you go to a masjid, the women might be in a different room, which may not even be behind the men, mm -hmm. although behind, technically behind the, the, the imam. Yeah. Um, but if I say I can mix all that stuff up, and I'm saying this is reform, this definition, you're not a mujtahid. Mm -hmm. you know, you're probably just someone who's doing wishful thinking. Yeah. Now it is important for us to know how much of, these, how much of each of these fields of knowledge on which Zahid should have mastered. As for the Qur'an, he is required to know all that has already been mentioned in the chapter on the Qur'an and also the abrogated and abrogating ayahs. And in the Hadith, he should, all, he should know the sciences necessary for knowledge of Hadith and also the ability to distinguish between authentic and weak Hadith. It is also incumbent upon him to be fully versed in Arabic linguistics. This means that he should have an almost perfect knowledge of the words used in the ayahs and Hadith on the commandments ahkam. However, he need not necessarily necessarily have memorized and learned the whole vocabulary of cap, uh, classical Arabic. It is best that he busy himself in learning the language as much as is necessary for him to become fami familiar with the meaning and message of classical Arabic discourse. This is because the medium of the Sharia is Arabic. Therefore, the one who is uniformed in uninformed in uh, un ununiformed in Arabic uninformed oh uninformed in Arabic will not understand the underlying meanings of the sayings of the Blessed Prophet And that should be pretty straightforward, right? I remember reading this article, and related also to, to like, I forgot what he wanted to do about changing namaz. Uh, I've even forgotten that. And so the words he was using, he'd go to an online website that just gives these loose definitions of whatever word it was. I think it was Juma. Was it for like the Saturday? Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah. It was like something. something yeah, last it was year, something. Right? Something uh, goofy. Yeah, yeah, it was like the last year. So he was suggesting moving um, Juma to Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Maybe it was the Sunday, evening, or it was one of those two days, a weekend day. And then he would, he would, you know, use these really weak arguments regarding the definition of Juma and such, and 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 so out of politeness, you know, I engage with him. Because usually a lot of times the people I'll engage with out of politeness. Okay. And what came across was he didn't really care. He was instead looking for how to make his argument stronger. Mm -hmm. Okay, Meaning he already had the conclusion. Okay. And now he's just trying to figure out how to prove it. 
So that's like writing a thesis. Paper. Oh, you actually engage with individuals? Yeah, very, very briefly. Mm -hmm. And then I may have said politely, okay, it's clear you don't really know what you're talking about here, right? Um, and, and I mean, because he, he was, like, even the, the way he was forming his questions, either he was weak in English and I didn't give it the benefit of the doubt, or he wasn't really looking for being, he wasn't looking to be convinced of what was truth. Mm -hmm. He wanted to figure out how to make his argument stronger. Mm -hmm. It was almost like he was asking me how he makes it, how he can make his argument stronger. So I wasn't interested. <laughs> You're just like, oh. Yeah, it's like I got other things to work on. Yeah. He should also have learned the sayings of the companions of the Allah on him and for successes regarding the commandments of Deen. He should also have knowledge of the fatwas of the jurists in order to avoid deriving rulings that contradict their opinions and the decisions upon which there is a consensus of the community. If and when a person is learned in these fields of five fields of knowledge, he will be considered a mujtahid. Though it is not expected of him to have covered the inf infinite ah, I remember this word infinitesimal uh, aspects of each the uh, each of these fields. However, if he is lacking in any one of them, he must follow someone else. And that's the key point. <clears throat> Why do we have schools of of law? It's to come up with consistent answers rather than arbitrary answers. Mm -hmm. And even in those answers, there's a lot of, a lot of room. Okay? Um, and then what you will find in terms of the idea of consensus, people say, okay, there's no consensus. Fair enough. But like for in the Hanafi school, you'll often hear, okay, Abu Hanifa, Imam, uh, Imam Muhammad, and um, uh, Imam Abu Yusuf, mm -hmm. they agree on such and such opinion. Uh, or you'll hear, okay, this is the opinion of the school. Or you'll hear two of those three agree and one disagrees, yeah. right? Uh, and sometimes there's a, a second level of students, Zufar, who, who will have a, a, a different opinion. Uh, but the key point is what's understood is that these people uh, are looked at as qualified for coming up with opinions, meaning they're the experts. If I don't have expertise, then I should be following someone else. And why? Because... Otherwise, I mean, I'm reinventing the wheel. They've already done the research, yeah. right? So a lot of times when we grow up in America, and this is part of this American psychology, you have this sense that, okay, we are unique in human history. Mm -hmm. And even people who criticize America, um, living in America, will still have this sentiment that there's something unique about us mm -hmm. in human history. And they will think, uh, without saying it, without realizing, they'll think that they're smarter than all these people in our tradition. Okay, you might be smarter even than, let's say, one person, ten people. You're not going to be smarter than a hundred people or a thousand people over the span of a thousand years, yeah. right? And so some of that is we have, a lot of times growing up in America, we have a type of arrogance that we don't realize we have. Mm -hmm. okay. But the key is, you know, if, you, if you're a, a third-year medical student, uh, you should go with the opinion of the physician who's already graduated and done residency. Yeah. That's sort of what this is like. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ibn Qudama Hanbali writes in Al-Mughni, There are six conditions for being a mujtahid. Mastering knowledge of the Qur'an, mastering knowledge of ahadith, mastering knowledge of scholarly consensus, mastering knowledge of analogical deduction, mastering knowledge of the differences of opinion, uh, and mastering knowledge of classical Arabic linguistics. For analogical deduction, is yeah. that like Qisas? That's Qiyas. Oh, Qiyas. Yeah. Okay. So the only difference that he's adding is to also know the difference of opinion of people since then, mm -hmm. compared to the other list of five. Yeah. For the Quran, he must know two things: the general am and the um. uh, 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 the general am and the specific khas, pre pre previously mentioned in the chapter on acting on the Quran. In the ahadith, it is not necessary for him to know every 
for, for to know every hadith, as in the hadith on paradise and the hellfire, but to know those hadith which pertain to the commandments of the of the deen. All the sciences necessary for the Quran are also required for a hadith. Besides this, there are different types of a hadith, such as sing singular singularly transmitted a hadith, a had a had, a had, a had. They must also know the rulings upon which in which the scholars unanimously agreed and upon which they disagreed. In analogical deduction, they must know its conditions and the different methods of derivation, amongst other things. They should also be uh, they should also be acquainted with Arabic linguistics in as much as is related to the aforementioned aforementioned fields. Now, there's that interesting point. The second sentence in the ahadith, it is not uh, necessary for them to know all the hadith as in the hadith on paradise and hellfire, but you know, to those hadith which pertain to commandments. So this is a, a general principle. There was not as much concern about authenticity for, for example, the, de the descriptions of what is hell and heaven like. Um, there's not as much focus on authenticity of sirah, right? There's not as much focus on uh, authenticity of hadith qudsi, because what's common in all of these, they're not giving me knowledge that I will be held to account for, okay? But if the Prophet, peace be upon him, was saying, do this, don't do this, then this is something I need to know because I'll be held to account. So then there is lots of rigorous analysis to make sure it's authentic or not. Right? All the hadith are looked at for authenticity, but the ones that are given the most attention are those. And that just makes sense, right? Yeah. Because um, that's what's most practical. Yeah. Hafiz ibn Qayyim writes in Ilam al Khatib quoted Imam Shafi'i in his book Al-Faqih wa Wal-Mutafaqih as saying that it is not permissible for anyone to give fatwa on any matter of deen except if he is scholar of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is learned in abrogating in, in, in abrogating and abrogated ayahs so that's another important point um, a test of Ali عن, of someone's knowledge is can you tell me about uh, Nasikh and Mansukh can you tell me which ayahs are abrogating which ayahs? And that was like a simple test. So some people are of the opinion that there's five ayahs that uh, have abrogated five other ayahs. Some people make the number much higher. What's it, can you give me an example of like abrogating ayahs? Alcohol. So, so <coughs> one ayah is um, there's benefit, but the sin is greater than the benefit. Okay, that's all it says. Next ayah, don't come drunk to prayer. Okay. Next ayah, it's the scourge of shaitan, the filth of shaitan, don't even come near it, mm -hmm. right? And so the number two is abrogating number one. Number three is abrogating number two. Mm -hmm. That would be an example, okay, right? Okay. Uh, I is on fasting. Um, there's a few other ones, yeah. Rajam, yeah. <clears throat> the ambiguous ayahs, mutashabi, interpretation, ta'wil, background of the revelation, the ayahs revealed in Mecca and in Medina and has insight into the into the underlying meanings of the ayahs. Further, he should be learned in the ahadith, in the abrogating and abrogated ahadith, and all the si different sciences required for the Qur'an. Then he should also be skilled in Arabic linguistics and poetry, and poetry, and an expert in all the fields that are requisite for a complete understanding of the Qur'an and Sunnah. After all this, he should also be acquainted with the sayings of the scholars. All, this, all these fields should become uh, second nature to him due to his proficiency in them. After this, he may give fatwa, or otherwise it, for, it is forbidden. 
Salih ibn Ahmad says, I said to my father, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, what do you think of a person who has who when asked of fatwa who when asked of fatwa issues it according to the hadith but not but without any knowledge of fiqh? He replied, It is absolutely necessary for one who sits in the place of fatwa to know the ways of the Quran, to be impeccable in his knowledge of the hadith, and to be scholar the a scholar of authentic cha- chains of transmission. Then Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal quoted everything Imam Shafi'i mentioned previously. Once someone asked Abdullah ibn Mubarak, when is it permissible for someone to give a fatwa? He replied, when he carries profound insight in his opinion and in the hadith. So in a very simple nutshell, this big paragraph is giving you what does it mean to be a scholar. Right? That's really, really summing it up in a very, very simple, simple way. And the first half of this, or the first third of this, is all about Quran. Right? And so here it's saying it's forbidden for such a person to be given fatwa, what they're actually saying is that it's dangerous, yeah. right? If I am giving fatwa, I don't have this training, uh, I am opening the door for someone to go to hell and they think they're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I'm opening the door for myself to go into hell and I think I'm going to heaven. That's how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hafiz ibn Qayyim says, by opinion, he's referring to true analogical deduction. The underlying meanings and principles upon which the whole foundation of the sayings of the Blessed Prophet is based. Mm-hmm. This makes the rulings of the, the deen effective. So what is the point there? That, okay, the Quran is speaking to an environment from 1400 years ago. We have many, many things, both in terms of questions and physical things that are different. And going back to alcohol, okay, they don't have crack cocaine at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So someone with no brain will say, okay, well, it's not in the Quran, so it's okay for me to do. And I've seen people say stuff like that about certain alcoholic drinks. They'll say, okay, what's, what's forbidden in the Quran is, is grape wine. Beer is okay. okay. It's like nonsensical uh, logic because it's not in the Quran, right? Uh, so the point of Qiyas analogy is that it, in the uh, assumption is that Quran gives you everything you need to figure out all the rest of the answers, Okay. And so the schools of fiqh are trying to show that into practice, mm-hmm. okay? And then so then you develop methods of analogy to figure out, all right, in 2017, how do I implement the entire Quran, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, with all those things that are not from the time of the Quran. Yeah. And so that's why bias is so important. And then the, there's other tools of Islamic law. Qiyas is the big one. Shah Waliullah Dahlawi writes in Iqta al-Jid, uh, whoever is a is erudite in the greater part of these branches of knowledge is a mujtahid. Rafi'i, Nawawi, and his and numerous other scholars say that there are two types of mujtahids: independent, mustaqil, and affiliated, muntasib. It is evident from their writings that an independent mujtahid is greater greatest in three things. Number one, he derives the principles upon which his madhab stands. Number two, he studies, researches, and engrosses himself in the verses and ahadith of the Blessed Prophet to find proof for the issues that confront him. He favors one proof over the other when they contradict each other. He also expounds on the references from which he derived his rulings. Number three, he confronts new issues which have not yet been discussed and presents them in light of evidence from the Quran and Sunnah. Okay, so... So when we're speaking of, of a mujtahid mustaqil, where what are we basically saying? This is someone who has enough knowledge to start a full school of law. Mm-hmm. That's basically what we're saying. Okay. As opposed to someone who can be a scholar within a school of law. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically the difference here. Okay. 
and affiliated in Mushtahid, is one who is a follower of his teacher and the principles, and who takes who takes help from him in seeking evidence on rulings. He knows the rulings in light of their evidence and is fully capable of deriving rulings from the evidence. Whoever is below these two in a uh, whoever is below below these two is a mujtahid in the madhab. Mujtahid fi fil madhab. Madhab. He is also he is a follower of his imam in any ruling attributed to the imam, but is also fully aware of the principles his imam used to derive the rulings. If he cannot find a ruling. On an, on an issue from his imam, he exercises ijtihad using his teacher's principles and, in general, derives rulings from, based on the framework of these principles. The last level is the mufti, who is infused with the knowledge of his madhab and has the competence to prefer one opinion over the other in one, one ruling within a madhab. Okay. And so our alim is lower, mm-hmm. right? So mufti, if I am a mufti, I'm fully trained in my madhab. And I can say, all right. Here's five different opinions. The best one for you is this one, right? Uh, or I can go through and figure out, here's the answer you need. Okay, so that's the key thing. The key thing is for ishtihad, the first issue is how does someone really become qualified? And a lot of this should be common sense. You have to know the sources. That's the bottom line, right? You have to know the sources and you have to know the methods in the history of the interpretation of the sources. Okay, so next time, inshallah, we'll get into types of mushtahids on page 54. Any last questions or thoughts? All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nasafirika natubu ilayk wa akhira da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.